Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the first episode of the new year. 2023 is upon us. Uh, second episode of NBA Intel, NBA Monday. New segment featuring me, yours truly, and my main man, Clement Gibson, here to review all the NBA topics, insight, intel from the prior week as we head into the new week of the NBA season. But before we dive into the topics, it's a new year. It's 2023. Um, so I'm gonna pitch this question to Clem. What are your two big New Year's resolutions that you're trying to um not just initiate but follow through on during this new calendar year? Oh man. Uh thanks again for having me. Um New Year's resolution. Oh, you hit me with a slight one there, Cam. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say I, I did uh spend uh New Year's coming into New Year's right now, my goals. Um, one big thing for me, um, I'm trying to get a house, man. I feel like I've been moving the last eight years of life, you know, going through college and doing all that, you know, finally done with that. <clears throat> but yeah, man, I, um, I'm really trying to make that a goal. Um, tired of this apartment life, you know, <laughs> Just trying to take that next step. Uh, so that's one of my big goals for the year. Um, Dang. Two, I want to take a uh, two international flights. I um, already have one booked for this year. So uh, in August, one of my friends' wedding. So hopefully we can slide in the second one at the end of the year. But what about you? What you got up your sleeve for 2023? Man, yeah, 2023, man. It's a big year for me coming up for sure. Um, I think the biggest one is um getting my first like full-time gig in the sports industry. Um I've done a lot of like uh part-time work, internships um with PFF. I'm kind of like a paid contributor with um HBCU Legends, which is a digital uh sub media of Sports Illustrated. So I'm really ready to take that next step, maybe be involved with the NFL media things of that nature. Um I feel like I'm really close. I've been able to develop a lot of pretty cool professional relationships along the way the last two years. <clears throat> so I think that's that's a big one indeed. Um, and probably the second one. Uh, oof. Probably get back uh, on the court. We're working, okay. at, working at basketball a little bit. I haven't really been on it as much because I've been busy. So I think incorporating that into my lifestyle, another form of exercise, another form of activity, I think that's something. I really want to do in 2023, but, uh, you know, you probably don't know. I don't dare you know, but I just got back from Costa Rica. Um, we've kind of been, um, me and my wife, we, uh, celebrated the holidays with the fam. And then we had our own little thing with her friend out of the country. I've never really been out of the country really ever since I got with my wife and been to Canada, been to Costa Rica. We talking about potentially going to Egypt this sometime this year. So okay. yeah, just traveling around the world, which, which, you know, you already said you're trying to get your international yeah, flights. Yeah, trying to get like you are. Trying to get like us. I've already had two. So the experience is unique in itself. Um, Just really to see the world outside of the American lens is dope. And um, I want to continue on that um, moving forward. So can't wait to see what it holds. But got our 2023 resolutions out of the way. Now it's time to talk basketball. Um, first big one, LeBron's lost season. Um, currently, LeBron James is averaging 28.6 points per game on 50, 30, 75 shooting splits, 
alongside 8.2 boards and 6.7 assists for the 15 and 21 Lakers, who are 13th in the West. So as I stated before with his great numbers, LeBron's having an amazing statistical season. But it's pretty clear LA's probably not going to make the playoffs, which would be the second consecutive season that's happened and the third time in LeBron's five-year tenure with the Los Angeles Lakers franchise. But he is 527 points away from Kareem. And when he eventually passes Kareem this year, how would you put him, Clem, in the top five all-time great Pantheon players in the league? Where would he be on your hierarchy once he achieves really the all-time scoring title, which is a tremendous feat to do in the efficiency that he's done in year, I think it's 18, 19, somewhere in that range? Well, you know where I stand on this, so you're not new to this, but... Uh... Man, look, if I'm starting the basketball team, there's only one person I will for sure take over him, and that's Michael Jordan. Um, I'm a huge Kobe guy, but I judge players' uh, careers by their resume first. Um, We can break down the skill sets and things of that nature, uh, but... When you really look at his resume, he's had the second best resume, in my opinion, out of anyone who's ever touched a basketball. Um, and for me, I, I even did a simple study um, just looking at the the amount of accolades. So I think that is what really it's a more concrete way to have a debate. All right. So I'm looking at all the total MVPs. I mean, league MVPs, final MVPs. I don't always count the all-star, but um, just for the, for the fun of it, I thought I'd throw it in there as well. This isn't even counting the scoring titles or anything like that, but also uh, encompassing the ring. So you look at these, there's only one other person who has garnered this many accomplishments in the history of the NBA. You got Jordan, who's combining for 20. Uh, and then LeBron's second with 15. And we got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, who I have is third, 14. We got Magic with 13, Kobe with 12, and then uh, a few more guys. Obviously, Bill Russell um, would probably shatter that with all the rings he won, but finals MVP was not around when he was playing, so um, can't really factor that into this conversation. But look, I, I, I grew up a, a Lakers fan, grew up a Kobe fan, was not a fan of him going to L.A. I just keep it above. <laughs> Didn't want him to be there. I grew up rooting against him my entire life because where I grew up, it was like you got you got to choose between Kobe or Brian. That's just how it was. Um, so I just always, you know, rooted against him on the court. Obviously, off the court, it's a different story. Um, but even though he hasn't achieved as much as the Laker greats as far as a winning perspective, it's just like. Seeing this guy go out there day in and day out at this age and continue to do what he does, it's just crazy. Um, so for me, I think it anybody who has him, <clears throat> anybody who has him <laughs> outside of the top three, I'll say, like, honestly, like, you want to make a case for Kareem, I'll do that. But honestly, it's two, and he's number two. And if you got him three... Eh, whatever, but I don't think any anywhere outside the top three uh, should include this. I feel you. Um, 
you know, LeBron's a tremendous player. I've always said he's the best basketball player in this century. So, I mean, that's without a doubt. Um, he is one of the, the greatest player of his ever. Um, I think that's undeniable. But for me, when I talk about all-time greats, I really take into account two things. Obviously, the career aspect is hella important. I mean, you need certain accolades. You need certain individual achievements and accomplishments to really put you in that conversation. I mean, if you don't have it, it's kind of hard, which is why, you know, Steph Curry won the finals MVP last year. And a lot of people really aren't willing to put him in his top 10 because he's got one finals MVP. When you look at a lot of people's top 10s, man, those guys have multiple finals MVP. So stuff like that matters. But for me, it's really your peak. Like how dominant was your peak as a player and how impactful was it when it comes time to postseason basketball and the result of your productive play leads to championships. And for me personally, looking at that, it's just hard for me to put LeBron over Mike Russell magic. Like it just is. Now, it isn't that hard with Kareem. Because if you look at Kareem's career in a nutshell, technically, because I had to go go back, did my research myself. Um, Kareem, to be honest, he, you could say won one championship as the guy with the Bucks. Obviously, Oscar was still there. Um, and Oscar, although he was a shell of himself, he was a solid number two option in his time. But then when he went to Los Angeles, it became Magic's team, unfortunately, overnight. And when we talk about the dynasty of the L.A. Lakers, we think of Showtime. And the face of Showtime is Magic Johnson. And he established that in his rookie season, Game 7, when he won Finals MVP and he took off and he never looked back. Look, we had this conversation in the group chat, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little all over the place because it was a hectic conversation. So... I feel like by doing this, I need to establish some ground rules for myself because it'll pretty much put in a picture my overall opinion on the Magic LeBron Kareem. So in my eyes, I think Magic became the best player of the Lakers after that game seven when he won finals MVP. I think that was the passing of the torch. It's been talked about before in documentaries. Um, That's really where Magic got his name. It's Magic, like that incredible game seven where Kareem was out. He plays the five, puts up a triple-double against a veteran six-year team as a rookie, wins finals MVP. He's the only rookie to win finals MVP in NBA history. After that, then win four more titles. And if you look at his career in a nutshell, been to nine finals, won five. In his 13-year career, and that's, you know, a 13-year career, which obviously was cut short because of AIDS, he goes to the playoffs every time. Never missed the playoffs in his career. Um he was the best player in the 80s. And a lot of people look at the 80s NBA basketball as the era that saved the league because I think a lot of people are looking at who is going to be the face returning the corner. I know Dr. J's on his last leg. It's between Magic and Larry, and he rose above that in a nutshell. And he was a part of the duo with Kareem, of course, but in that duo, he was the better player, especially after his rookie season to the point where when it came time to hop how they win a championship, and if they don't, it really comes down to Magic playing well. When Magic didn't play well, they lost. When he played well, they won. And in my eyes, Magic's the best Laker of all time. He's got the 5-4 and four finals record, one run NBA Finals MPS rookie. Nobody's done that. And when you put LeBron top three, he's a great player, but he's got the losing finals record. 
He's missed playoffs multiple times in his career. Right now, as phenomenal as he's been with the L.A. Lakers, he's got that one bubble championship. But three of his five years with the franchise, he's not made the playoffs. So we're going on three potentially. So look, there's no denying LeBron. Three championships of three different franchises, that's top five worthy, of course. And once he passed Kareem, he'll be ahead of Kareem all time in my eyes. Because I think his resume is better than Kareem if you look at, you know, the championships with different franchises, undisputed franchise player. Even when he played with better players, he still rose above and was the best in every situation. Maybe until the bubble, because you could kind of debate AD, LeBron. Uh, 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 but so that's my stance on it. So I have LBJ four behind Magic, Russell, and MJ. Now, I know you don't agree. And so <laughs> I'm willing to give the floor back to you now that you know my perspective and understand why you feel like my perspective isn't the righteous one in terms of putting magic over LeBron. Cause I think that's really the hangup for you. It's like magic over LeBron. You, you don't want to do it. And I'm just curious to find out why. Well, so many reasons. Um, number one, obviously I think LeBron has the better resume. Um, number two, we can talk about longevity. LeBron runs the laps about uh, passing with that. Three, we can talk about statistics. LeBron runs laps across him with that. And obviously because he's played longer, um, that's given him more of time to do that. But the fact of the matter is when you really break down, no matter how you look at it, whether it's the resume, whether it's the just pure skill, whether it's the um, statistics, LeBron is is better than Magic. Um, <laughs> I mean... Obviously, the passing is better, but LeBron's by far the better scorer. Uh, LeBron's by far the better defender. I would go to say LeBron's probably the better rebounder. We could argue that because Magic was a great rebounder as well. But just the physical um, specimen that LeBron is puts him on another level, obviously, athletically. And then, I mean, just if we even break down scoring, we know how important assisting is, but Assist, rebounds, blocks, steals are all pretty much secondary stats um, after scoring. So for me, the reason why I even have Kareem ahead of Magic is because I just can't see your number one guy being someone who can't score with the best of them. And as old as Kareem got and not playing up to par, Magic still had James Worthy and um Kareem by his side most of those runs and we talked about it in the chat you know the last finals they won together uh, Worthy won finals MVP and then the next year when uh, Kareem retired we see Magic got them to the finals one last time gentleman sweep and then obviously the the whole situation with the HIV and AIDS uh, happened but for me he didn't have long enough of a career and when he did peak, because you think it happened that game seven. For me, the game seven was similar to like obviously bigger bigger stage, um, but it was similar to like how people view LeBron against that uh, that Pistons game when he scored twenty two straight points. For me, greatness is achieved through consistency. There's not one game where it's like okay, this happened, so this makes you like the better player. Because Kareem was the league MVP 
during that season, Magic's rookie season. And Magic didn't even win rookie of the year. You know, so you're comparing arguably the best player in the league to a guy who wasn't even the best player in his rookie class. Um, played well in the playoffs, but Kareem was averaging 33 and 16 in the playoffs. Like he was well on his way to win finals MVP. Um, obviously, the the uh, the magic uh, to play on the, the name that happened in that game, I think it was so like it was so mesmerizing that like you can't not give it to him after that heroic performance. Um, but even the following year, they came back and um, Kareem was still, I think he finished third in MVP voting the following season and was still leading the team in scoring. And Magic wasn't even one of the like top MVP candidates. So that just goes to show you that even though he had that great game seven and it propelled him to a whole new level, he still wasn't on Kareem's level just yet. And I think the third year, so Magic's third season, is when that torch was really passed. I think from game seven all the way up until the beginning of their third season together, I think Magic was working his way up the ladder. And then obviously he peaked in um, 86, 87. But I just feel like when I look back at Magic's career, you know, there was maybe like a four-year window where I'm like, okay, this guy's definitively, you can argue, the best player in the league. Um, but for Kareem, he dominated his his time period. Obviously, he didn't win as much, but he proved that he could be the number one guy, number one scorer, league MVP, all of that, um, on a team with Oscar, who is a great, but he didn't win himself. Um, so... That's my argument. Uh, I think Kareem is number three. I think Magic, Tim, Kobe, however you want to put them four through six, I won't argue it. Uh, but for me, it's LeBron and Jordan who's ahead of everyone else. I can respect it. Um, here's my slight rebuttals on a couple of things you said. For starters, um, Magic had the ability to get buckets. I just felt like his dynamic hey, as a I mean his, hold his dynamic as a player um more times than not when he came into the league was look I like to play up tempo and I think he understood early on okay clearly caps on the team we run our offense through the big at that time Clem a lot of teams in the league ran our offense through the big so yeah. you're not gonna have guard play like John ja Morant S or Steph Curry S in the 80s like they're gonna oh, play not through. like Isaiah though Oh, not Isaiah uh, played in that era. He was getting bucket. He did. Mainly and he because, was smaller. Right. He was smaller. But Detroit was an anomaly because Lambeer was no scrub, but he was like a stretch big. He was also before his time, but they didn't really play predominantly inside out. They really relied on their backcourt to kind of initiate their offensive and defensive identity in a nutshell as well. But in the West, they, they ran through Kareem. I mean, Kareem was there before Magic ever really touched base. Like Kareem was with the Lakers for four years. And my rebuttal with the Kareem thing is like Kareem could never really get over the top in Los Angeles until Magic arrived. Magic, in my eyes, made his life a lot easier because he's another dynamic guard who also can post up, who also can speed up the tempo, which is a style of basketball not a lot of teams had seen before at that time. And then he could also get you buckets, too. And that worthy final series that you brought up um, to me. Worthy did win finals MVP, but 
Magic, I think that series also averaged 27. He gave you double-digit assists, led everybody in steals. I can make a great point. He probably should have won finals MVP. It's kind of like when we talk about the 2015 Warriors, they gave it to Iggy. In reality, I think a lot of people feel that should be Curry. So that dynamic as well. Um, And what I'm going to say again is when Kareem started to tell off, Magic's responsibility waned more as a scorer. He had to kind of come into that role as a scorer and a playmaker. And he did that relatively well. Um, So saying all that to say, I'm going to push back on Magic couldn't get buckets like that. I don't think he was really required to because Kareem's presence was there. But as Kareem got older and the responsibility was amongst him again to kind of balance playmaking and put the ball through the hole, he did it relatively well. Um, And then another thing with LeBron Luck. It's just really hard to put him in ahead of guys with better finals records than him, who were the best players on their team. I mean, bro is four and six in the finals. Like, it's it's hard. Now, I know he's won three chips with three different franchises, so that helps his resume a ton. But I'm going to go a step farther, man. I felt like Magic in the big moments was more clutch than Bron. Now, Magic had failures, of course. Tragic Johnson, I remember that story. Oh, oh yeah. We've seen the dots. We've seen it. But he got over that, and for the most part, when he was available, he delivered. And even that finals, finals run they had where they lost to Detroit, he got hurt in game two. Like, he think, tore his hamstring out the bone. That, it was so bad. And at that point, with him out of the lineup, the Lakers, they couldn't beat the Pistons, bro. Like, they barely beat him last year when he was healthy. So they got dusted in five, which proves my point of when Magic touched ground in L.A., it was a huge part of that franchise from day one. When he was there and he was invested and he was healthy and he was playing to his apex, they won chips. I've seen plenty of times in LeBron's career, um, whether he's in Cleveland, Miami, um, even L.A. to a degree as well, he'll play up to his point, but unclutch it, unfortunately. Um, the Miami, the, the Dallas series where he couldn't crack the zone. Um the Boston series where they were up 2-1. This is before he left. They were up 2-1 in the semis, and they lose three straight. Now, yeah, we all know the rumors, the reason why he folded Delonte West, slept with his mom. But at <laughs> that point, bro, like you got to come through. And I've seen LeBron fail too many times where in comparison, we talk about MJ, we talk about Russell and Magic. They clutched up a lot more than they failed. Now, it yeah. doesn't remove LeBron from top five ever like he's still a top five player to me but when we start talking top five Clem like you gotta be kind of damn near perfect and out of all those guys that we talked about exactly but he's a little bit more perfect than Bron in the big time moments and bro I hate to be this guy 13 years in a league never missed the playoffs never so if he would have played 20, he would have missed some playoffs. But, I mean, but think about it. He couldn't even he could only lead one team without Kareem to the finals, bro. So but, think but, about that. But my response LeBron to has that, led way worse teams. Way worse teams. I feel year you, after my, year after year. And you know, but, keep it a butt. You okay. know Magic could not lead those Cavs teams because they would have been like, put the ball like he would have helped everyone be better, but he was not going to be able to score 30-plus points a game to help see, him here, get to the final. Here's the difference between you and me. Like, you're probably not lying, but I don't like to do that to guys in different areas. 
I'm going to just go off of what you accomplished in your era in comparison to what somebody else accomplished in theirs. And it will make the comparisons there. Now, my only issue when we had this conversation in the chat was it felt like to a point you kept insinuating like Kareem was at his apex throughout Magic's entire career. No, that's no. not that's not true. Like it became no. a point in the heat of Magic's prime, Kareem fell off a little. So then it became yeah. Magic's responsibility. He became the one, undisputed. Then James Worthy leapfrogged from three to two, and they kind of micromanaged, you know, responsibilities to elevate LA to the mountaintop. So, um, look, obviously, what LeBron has done with less is undeniable. This is why he's in the picture. But uh, I don't think, look, there's no way Magic blows it to Dallas, bro, in 2011. There's just no way. There's a way. Were you the clear favorite? Tragic Were you the clear favorite? Were you the <laughs> clear Johnson. favorite? Clear you tragic. Jo- even but, Tragic Johnson with two other Hall of Famers right guess there what? with him. Ba- Boston, who they were playing, had like two others as well. Boston to LA were on equal level. So be it. My, so be it. I, we 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 I, knocked Brown for his losses to the Warriors. They were they were they were like the the Warriors of uh, Boston uh, was like the Warriors of that era. Like I mean, either or Boston or or LA, but still, right. like they were not expected to win every single year. But like you can't knock him for that. Like, and I feel like if you do, like you have to like understand. Before, like in the this '80s period, Kareem was outside of maybe Russell considered the best player ever. So he Magic's was. coming in from day one, playing with the best player ever, and like we both acknowledge, well, you think it's after year one. I think it's after year two that uh, Magic leaked him, but you cannot deny that, like the fact that he played the first what. 10 years of his career with the best player ever at that point. Like, think but about even, that. That's not right. something you could just look over, you know? It's not. But even as good as Kareem was, he couldn't get out the West before Magic came. Magic took him over the top. Now, and no, no, it, no superstar could do it. No and we, we agree. None, Kobe, none, Kobe did it. Well, <laughs> you always don't throw it in. None can't. It's great. Kobe, it's Kobe very, and Hakeem. Kobe and the King. Yeah, the only two, two to, to, to win with. Uh... We're really like, it's them and like a band of supporting castmates. Where maybe you got one fringe all-star and that's about it. You're right. It's it's rare. It's very rare. But the fact of the matter is, in my eyes, when Magic was given the responsibility at an earlier time in his career, he more times than not delivered, which is why he has a positive finals record. And so, and we can't take away best player in the 80s. Obviously, LeBron was the best player in his generation. But when we talk top five, man, like I got to get, unfortunately, grimy because it's like, okay, (laughs) this is the top of the top. This is the top. It's Mount Rushmore. So Mount Rushmore, it's like, all right, we got to decide who the first three and who the last two. And that's not taken away from LeBron's greatness. But, man, I I can't put them above Magic, Russell, and MJ because they delivered more times than not when it mattered. In comparison to LeBron. And I'm not going to bump the Warriors stuff, bro. Dallas and the second San Antonio Spurs time, bro. Like, he he fell short where he was favored in both series. Like, that's that's rare. Where you're favored in both series and you don't come up clutch. I can't really say that about Magic, Russell, and MJ. When they were usually favored, they delivered. So, 
It's unfortunate. But, I but, mean, Magic Magic yeah. came into the league as a 22-year-old rookie for four years of college experience. So when you say he took the responsibility at an earlier age, I mean, I guess if you're looking at experience in the league, but he was obviously more developed and um, uh, a older player than than LeBron was. But I mean, we'll just agree to disagree. Nothing we'll new agree here. <laughs> It's nothing new, Andy, but it was a great, great conversation indeed. Now we're gonna sure. pivot to the next topic at hand. Let me let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Yes, the projected end game for Luca's magical season. Luca Doncic, Davos Mavericks, guard, wing, whatever you call it. I personally think bro a wing, but hey, he a guard according to the all-star voters. So I guess he's in the backcourt. Um, he's been unreal this season, putting up MVP numbers one can dream of. Leads the league in scoring through 34 games at 34 a game. He's got career highs and assists, almost nine a game. He's shooting 51% from the field on 20, almost 23 shot attempts per game. He's really thrived from the two-point percentage range. He's almost shooting 60% from the two-point line, which is a career high as well. Dallas, all of a sudden, Clem, they're the fourth best team in the West at 21 and 16. They've developed a win streak that's really highlighted the Don's playmaking ability, bro, because he's had nine or more assists in six in their six consecutive wins. However, in the grand scheme of things, it's about how get people like him, his game translate in April, May, and June. When we're looking at the long game with the Mavericks this season, how do you see Lucas play style panning out in the playoffs against tougher competition? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, and this is, we've seen this with some of the most elite scores ever. Um, I believe it's only eight guys on the 30K plus list of scoring. And I think, well, KD is going to be the next one to do it. Um, but I think following KD, it's going to be Luka. Um, and I don't know when or if we'll see another person crack that anytime soon. But then again, with the play style now, who knows? Um it's a, at his floor, I'll say it's a first round out. Um, I just don't see this happening when the game slows down. Um, he's a great half-court um, offensive player, can create and can score 50 on any given night, 60 um, on any given night. I, I think he, he may even threaten to score past Kobe's 81 Um but it's just we know this playing style does not work long term. I mean, we saw it with Kobe those two years he he was averaging what 33, 35 points a game. They went home in the first round. All right. Yeah. And he at the time was arguably the most talented player in the league, similarly to what Luca is. Harden. Um, we saw when he was averaging 30, 33 uh, plus points a game. He had more help, so he was able to get to the Western Conference Finals, but Outside of that, you know, that one year, or those two years, I, I believe they lost to Golden State one year, and then they lost to uh, oh, they lost to Golden State twice. But you just can't get over that hump because what happens is you come into the season and it's an 82-game season. You're going hard, scoring all these points over the course of the season. The playoff starts. You start to break down, and especially a guy like uh, Luca. Similarly to Harden, weren't wasn't like someone who was always in the best tip-top shape. 
and didn't have the best off-court um, strategies to keep their body in the best condition for a 100-game run throughout a, an entire season. So when I look at that, I think it's just destined to, to burn out um, unless Christian Wood turns into this guy that Jason Kidd can trust enough to play on both ends of the floor and get, you know, touches. But even then, I don't see Luca wanting to give up the ball as much. And I think it's 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 a bit of a mirage because we see the the assists, we see the rebounds along with the points. And you're like, dang, like what else can he do? And I remember even watching Brown back in the day and people would say this and I'd be like, I mean, you gotta find a way to win. Like you have to find a way to get it done. Um, and I think a lot of times when these guys are used to just scoring and doing everything, sometimes winning requires you to do less. Like you need to exert your energy in certain spots of the game. Like for me, I don't really care how much points you're scoring a game. I look at more so the fourth quarter points. Like if you're one of the top players in the league and somebody who's going to be winning championships, you need to save time, time and energy for the fourth quarter because that's when you're going to be needed the most. So, um, I think they're ultimately going to end up with a first-round exit. I think if they get lucky, they'll maybe make it to the second round just because Luka is that good. But I just can't see them beating any of the top four teams in the West uh, in a seven-game series. Yeah, man. Um, we're on the same page here. And, you know, during this win streak, uh, Dallas has only won one game by double digits. That was at home versus a floundering Houston Rockets team. Also, during this span, they've only beaten one projected playoff team, and that was, you know, the Knicks, where Luka had the 60-point triple-double, but the Knicks also didn't have R.J. Barrett throughout the game, and they didn't have Jalen Brunson at all. Look, man, Luka has the second-highest usage rate in the league. It's 38.0. I call him Euro Harden. You know, I've been calling him that for a minute. Um, I know you don't like the terminology, but what I'm basically saying is um, they play the same. You know, and what I mean by that is it's high usage rate, hella step backs, very crafty around the rim. They can play make with the best of them. It's just in the end, also low key rely on foul calls, which I don't have a problem with them relying on foul calls because that's a part of the game. That's an art form. So when I see a lot of fans like, man, why you get all the fouls? And like, bro, like you got to, hey man, get in there and sell it, unfortunately. But hey, I don't have a problem with it. But what I mean is I've seen this movie before. We've both seen it before. It has a shelf life. And I think what his fan base has unfortunately fell victim to is the playoff run last year. Let's be honest. They beat two teams that were falling apart. Utah was a shell of itself. You, you hey, I was, I was like, yo, Utah can do it. He was like, no, Cam, they can't. Stylistically, they don't match up. You were right. Jalen Brunson arguably won him that series because Luka didn't play, I think, the first two or three games. Um, but despite all that, if Bogdanovich makes the three in game six at the buzzer, that goes to game seven. And who knows what happens in game seven. And they only beat Phoenix in my eyes because Paul disappeared. And then Devin Booker just, he fell apart as well. And so, you know, now granted, he took advantage. And that's what great players do. When the other team is weak, you go for the juggler, take their heart, and go from there. But he struggled against teams that have a multitude of wings that they can throw at him in a playoff setting. And that's been the Clippers and the Warriors. And when they do that to a guy like Luka, you can never stop his greatness. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. 
So neutralizing him would probably be like a 32-point outing. But if he's getting 32 points on 31 shots, that's a victory because he's not involving anybody else. He's shooting it at a high elite volume. And unfortunately with Luka, he's not a great defender. So if he's got to work for his offense and then you attack him defensively, you've won half the battle. And the reality of the situation is, and we both said this coming into the year, this Dallas Mavericks roster isn't greatly constructed. They have, in my eyes, one very good decision maker slash ball handler and Luka, and that's kind of about it. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, in my eyes, is a scorer. Obviously, he's a point guard by the label, the name tag. But the reason why he's not with the Nets anymore is they tried him out as a floor general, and he couldn't crack it alongside Kyrie and Durant. That's not his skill set. His skill set is I come in to get buckets. So when we look at how this team is constructed, they have shooters and I think a couple bucket getters, but they don't have elite rim protection. They don't have a five man at all. And defensively, their best players are liability on that end. And so when they play teams like Memphis, Golden State, Clippers, where they have a multitude of offensive weapons that can antagonize Luka, and then defensively, they have enough bodies to throw at him as well to slow him down. It's a recipe for disaster. And so I think personally, two things have to happen for Luka moving forward. He's either got to change his game a little bit. And that basically means in my eyes, play a little bit off the ball, but you're shaking your head. He's not going to do that. And I kind of agree. Or he needs to join somebody that's not as ball dominant that can make his life easier though offensively. And the person that comes to mind is Nikola Jokic with the Denver Nuggets. Like that fit would be phenomenal. Now I know you're rolling your eyes. But, I disagree. but I Jokic, Jokic, in my eyes, is a guy who doesn't need the basketball to be productive. Obviously, he gets the ball in his hands to make things work, but he would allow, in my eyes, that pick and roll action with them two, phenomenal. That would give more easier looks for Luka. Um, Jokic is basically a point center, so he can allow Luka to get advantageous post-ups, advantageous backdoor cuts. And so now you kind of have in my eyes, a Eurocentric version of AD and LeBron, where they play off of each other very well. But in my eyes, Yogi's is a way better playmaker than AD ever was offensively. I think that could work. And to a lesser degree, I think Luka could play pretty well with a Durant. I think he could play pretty well with a Giannis. I think he could play particularly well with a Carl Anthony Towns, who might be on the trade block going forward. He just needs, in my eyes, if he's not going to change his game, he needs to be with a co-star that doesn't demand the ball to be effective but can still make the defense bend to his knees as a floor spacer. It didn't work with Porzingis because Porzingis is a volume shooter who needs the ball to be productive. And he constricted Brunson because Brunson, in my eyes, is Kyle Lowry. He needs the ball to be productive as well. So I think that's really kind of the yin and yang. We don't believe he's going to change his game. So if he's not going to change his game, he's got to get with somebody that placates to his game properly. But I'm intrigued, bro. Like, you're not a fan of the Jokic duo. Why is that? Because I think because that would work particularly well. I think it's just ego, man. Like, and I know Jokic comes off as this like very chill demeanor guy, but I think he is also like someone who thrives with the ball in his hands. And I think that's that's where it would be an issue because they both just because like Luca uh, or uh, Jokic doesn't shoot as much. I think he's best when he has the ball in his hands making decisions. And in order for that to happen, Luke is going to have to be off ball. Um, and it's just, 
I don't know. I just don't see it working out that way. I think on paper it looks great because it's like, oh, yeah, like they're both really great offensive players. But then you look at it on defensively as well. Um, I mean, Jokic is getting better on defense, but he still has a long way to go. And you pair that with Luka, like defensively, or I'm putting them in a the pick and roll over and over and over again. You know, that's, fair. Um, yeah. that's two really major weak links that far away from the basket. And then you're asking them to go on the other end. And then even more so, um, Luca is the guy who likes to complain a lot, especially about calls and things like that. And I think that um, both of them are surrounded by people who cater to them. You know, Jokic has a, a bit of a complaining problem, not as bad as Luca, but um, yeah, I think we underestimate the egos of like these franchise guys because they are deemed unselfish because of how they play and, and their statistics. They, they get a lot of assists, so they're not selfish. But Jokic is best with the ball in his hands, just like LeBron is, just like Luka is, just like Harden is. It's like if if Harden and LeBron play together, you know, it, it sounds good on paper, but in reality, one guy's dribbling far away from the basket and the other guy likes to hold the ball and pick up our defense. But um, that's my reason for it. Um, they're on a winning streak right now. They've won six in a row. They're fourth in the West. Um, maybe they get lucky and they, you know, sorry to your Kings. Uh, maybe they, they play the, a team like the Kings. I think they have Phoenix numbers, much as I love Book. Um, I think if they play um, the Phoenix in the first round, they can get them. I think they could beat Portland in the first round. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Denver, Memphis – Pelicans and Golden State, who's likely going to be one of their first round matchups, is who they're going to play. And I think all those teams can beat them. But we'll see. I think he has to change his game. It's just, I think he's going to have to really go through something humbling for that to happen. Yeah. I was actually talking about that with one of my friends yesterday. I agree. Um, I think he's going to have to get humbled uh, because right now he hasn't really been humbled yet because his stand base. And I think a little bit of him himself can, is kind of feeling like, yeah, we lost, but I got mine, though. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I got mine is why we won two games against the Clippers. It's why we went seven against the Clippers. It's why we won one game off the Warriors. It's why we even mm-hmm. got to the conference finals. But let's say in the playoffs, man, he wins MVP potentially, and they get swept. And it's a painful sweep to watch where it's clear, mm-hmm. like, offensively he's neutralized and then – they're not a good enough team defensively to stop the opposition and they lose by double digits in three to four games. I think that's enough for him to be like, I right, like, I got to do something. Um, and he's a prideful guy. He's got a tremendous ego. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel you. I feel you on the Jokic one. You, okay. It's prevent, presenting to me a new lens. Um, I still think deep down it could be a little bit productive because Jokic is a phenomenal passer. And I think out of the two, you just need one that's unselfish. And I think Jokic is, by far a lot more unselfish than Luca. But um yeah. I feel you though, like defensively it would be a nightmare. Like that like I pick a roll with them too, it would be unfortunate. So that's kind of the compromise you'd have to make. But currently right now Dallas is in a good place. I think the last time we talked about the Mavericks, I was like, look, he's a phenomenal player. They've got to be better than a seventh or eighth seed. And they're a fourth seed right now. It's just we know the longevity is just it's just be not back in the seventh season. Yeah, they'll they'll be back. Yeah. But if they play the Kings, the Blazers, yeah, they could beat them. 
got me because I don't, I don't, those two teams, they don't have the bodies to contain them. And so if you can't contain Luka throughout a series, then you have a great chance to lose because he's that phenomenal of a player. So um, that's facts. Moving on to the next topic. Is it fair to be concerned about the Milwaukee Bucks? Um, Giannis has the highest usage rate in the NBA. And while that's yielded some career high numbers, such as points per game, field goal attempts, and field goal makes, he has an astounding amount of turnovers and is shooting his worst percentage from deep in four years. Um, he's currently missing time with an ankle injury. I personally think they're managing him. Um, but we kind of got to be worried, Clem, about Drew Holiday's kind of getting nicked up. Chris Middleton's played seven games and he's not looked well. The last game he played was that bludgeoning they took on the road against Memphis where Dylan Brooks literally physically overwhelmed him and made him foul out. Um, and so the the narrative on the Bucks last year, Clem, was they had Middleton. They potentially could go back to back. Middleton's back in the lineup and he hasn't looked the same. And while I think their defense has gotten better, offensively, it just feels like every game Giannis's responsibility is intensifying even more. And I don't think that's sustainable in an Eastern Conference that we both can agree on has gotten better. So are you worried about this squad as you head into the months of January and February, or do you think they can make a turnaround moving forward? I'm not worried just because they have that championship pedigree. Um, I think the main concern here, you want to make sure that Middleton is 100% going into the playoffs. Um, obviously, you don't want a situation like last year where Giannis is having to carry that heavy of a load because teams like Boston um, will pick that apart. Um, but similar to the Clippers, I, and it's a bit different because, like I said, they did win a ring. I just think they're a proven team with like proven superstars. Like Paul George hasn't, you know, made it to the finals, but he's led two teams to the conference finals. Kawhi has won two lead, uh, final MVPs, um, has won championships. Um, and even though it's it's just Giannis and Middleton who's like been star players on the championship team, I think Drew Holiday has that pedigree even before he got there. Just like being the dog, willing to sacrifice, do whatever he needs to do to um, help the team get there. And even Brooke Lopez, I think, has – a lot of people don't know he's the leading scorer in Nets history. Um, so he's a guy who has reinvented himself in this league and is a sneaky defensive player of the year candidate. Um, so I'm not, I'm not worried about them. They have veteran presence. I think their main thing is just being healthy. What I am concerned about – is long-term. After this year, you know me, I say sell high. Uh, trade D-low, hashtag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, for dynasties, if you look at every single dynasty, whether it's um, the, the Showtime Lakers, whether it's the Celtics teams, whether it's um, the 2000 Lakers, Spurs, the Bulls, whatever the case may be, They've made adjustments to who are the lead guys. They have their star, the, the head honcho who holds it down, but then the surrounding pieces, the second and the third and fourth and the fifth best player, usually get shuffled around a bit. Um, like you keep Jordan and Pippen, but you get uh, a Rodman, you know, um, you get uh, a Kerr down the line and, and things of that nature. Um, I think that's where they need to start thinking now because. Middleton, the way he's looked 
and coupled with his age, I just don't know if he's going to be able to help Giannis on the perimeter, which Giannis really needs, um, especially like in those deep fourth quarters, um, be that guy that can help them take them over the edge. So if I'm a walkie, I'm going to Giannis and be like, hey, I know this is your guy. I know you're a loyal guy, but if you want to win long term, if you want to be one of the best players in this generation, we need to start thinking about either finding, you know, I, I thought uh, Jordan Noir was going to be that guy. Didn't really work. It looked like him and Bud bumped heads a lot. And then even Bochamp, like sometimes I see flashes in him and I'm like, okay, maybe he could be like the next wing on their team that takes the next step. But it's too early to tell with him. Um, I don't I don't know who the answer is right now. Maybe a Levine, but I just feel like they love Middleton and I don't think they'll, they'll get off of him right now. But ultimately, that's what I'm most concerned about is the long term uh, health of Middleton. But I think they're fine this year. I think as long as they're healthy going into the playoffs, they'll be competing for the, the Eastern Conference championship. I feel you on long term. I think, though, for me, I think the long term starts now. Um, I think it's pretty clear Chris Middleton is not the same. Um, he's averaging his lowest point per game total since his rookie year. Now, a lot of people can say, yo, that's unfair. He just came back from injury. La -di -da -di -da. That's true. But the fact of the matter is, like you said, when you have a great player like Giannis and you've won a championship before, it's very important moving forward. You maintain your core, but you continue to restock the cupboard with draft picks. And I remember during the summer, I wrote a, um, a freelance piece for a Wisconsin website about the picks, the draft picks Milwaukee missed on. And one of them that I think is super big, <laughs> low key, um, was Robert Williams. They could have drafted Robert Williams. Instead, they took DJ Wilson. And I think they took DJ Wilson. Or I don't, I know for a fact they could have drafted Robert Williams and John Collins. And he just didn't. They, they took other guys and those guys haven't panned out. And then last but not least, they actually drafted Kevin Porter Jr., but then they traded him to Cleveland for John Luer, who's no longer on an NBA mm. roster. So they had opportunities in future drafts to restock the cupboard to where now if a guy like a Middleton in your course fading, you can kind of segue to a KBJ. You can segue to a John Collins as being the next core piece. And these are guys that are playing in the league right now that – aren't phenomenal for their current organizations, but imagine what they could be on a championship caliber team like the Bucks in a more defined role. They could be like what Jordan Poole is for Golden State now. They won a championship, and now every year Poole is really relishing his role and embracing it fully. So, I, look, man, I'm, Middleton's health is, is problematic, and they need him this season because it's very clear. Boston, Brooklyn, Philly, Cleveland, they got better, and they got firepower on the perimeter. And if and they have multiple. Cleveland's got Garland and Mitchell. Philly's got Maxie and Harden, and to a lesser degree, Tobias Harris. The Nets have Kyrie and KD. Boston has Tatum and Brown. And if all you have is Giannis and an older Drew Holiday, because Middleton's a shell of himself, that's not sustainable. Now, what I think will carry and could help them in a series they're a much better defensive team. So I hmm. think that will help them win a playoff series. But in the second round, where they probably might have to play either 
Cleveland, Boston, or Brooklyn, there's not enough defense in the world that's going to slow down those all-NBA caliber guards. You're going to have to match them with points. And with Middleton not being out there as a perimeter guy, that's putting a lot of responsibility on Giannis. And the unfortunate thing with Giannis is, and I love him as a player, he's not the consistent enough perimeter scorer to where he could do both. Like, all right, I can kill you inside. You take away the paint, I can hit you with these mid-range. That's not his game. It's not. So if they relegate him to be a mid-range shooter and he's off like he's kind of been this year, now you're stuck. So I am worried for the Bucs. Um, I think for me, when they got blitzed by the Grizzlies, I probably should have looked at that as, oh, okay, that's a concern. <laughs> I more so looked at it as, okay, Memphis on the come up. And then Memphis kind of tailed off a little bit. They kind of getting their stuff back. But ever since that game, Clem, Milwaukee hasn't found their footing. So, and it really highlighted Middleton's not the same. It also highlighted, yo, as great as Giannis is, that jump shot isn't falling like it has been in the past couple of years. And Drew Holiday is old. So, those are concerns moving forward. And I know, look, I know championship pedigree matters to you and to other people. To me, it don't because I think every year is different. Every year is different. And I think it matters to a degree if you're playing a very inexperienced team. But in the East, man, uh, Boston went to a final. Uh, Kyrie and Durant won a championship. Um, I mean, Harden, I mean, they ain't win nothing. But, like, they've been deep <laughs> in the playoffs. <laughs> so, I'm about to say, I don't, I, know, I don't know after those two teams. After I don't, those I don't two, think there's too right. many. All right, right. That's, I was saying, and, and Boston's still relatively young. Like I, I don't think it's their first run, but yeah, I, I, I'm not too worried about them. But yeah, but I mean that would probably help if they play Cleveland. But look, man, they're gonna need Middleton in the playoffs, and if he's not a shell of him, if he's there but a shell of himself, that's gonna be a problem. And I think if they lose that way, where it's clear, man, they lost because Middleton just he wasn't there anymore. Now you got to prepare for the future because. Well, Giannis has been dropped. He's dropped some nuggets recently, and he's not a fake dude. So I'm going to take him for his word, talking about, yo, I'm thinking about Chicago. I'm thinking about, like, I honestly don't think Giannis will stay with the Bucks long term throughout his whole career. I don't. Um, and I do think he's willing to move if he finds it pretty clear, I can't win a championship here anymore. Because he's a competitor, and he wants to be remembered as a Pantheon great. So I could see him. Pull a Kareem, you know, Kareem, when he was with the, he wanted chip and then he left to LA. So we'll see. Um, but that, that's really the state of the Bucks in my eyes for now. I, I agree. Just got to see what the playoffs bring, but I think that it's such a long season. There's so many ups and downs that I'm just, they don't have uh, much worry coming from me. That's respect. I mean, they are a third-seeded team in the East. But this final team we're going to talk about before we wrap it up, it's time to push the panic button. The Atlanta Hawks, 17-19. and 19. They are the ninth-best team in the East record-wise, so technically they're a play-in squad. But that would mean for the second year in a row they're in the play-in, and they're too talented of a squad to be a play-in team. I've heard rumors that Nate McMillan thought about retiring. We've heard Nate McMillan and Trey Young continue to bump heads. And I'm going to be honest, bro. I think the reason why they're struggling is because Trey Young is shooting the worst percentage from the field of his career, 41% on a career-high 21 shots per game. They brought DeJounte Murray in to not make him more of a ball hog. 
but he's still a ball and it's not producing conducive results of offensive success. Look, we talked, you brought up selling high when we talked about the Bucks. I'm really team selling high with the Atlanta Hawks right now because this is two years in a row where they've regressed and they're not a bad team roster construction wise. Like they have the personnel to be a lot better than what they are. Um, do you package Trey Young, Capella, or Collins and get you some guys up in there to, in essence, unfortunately, build around DeJounte Murray? Because I think DeJounte Murray has taken enough of a step to where you could kind of transition to a new age Hawk squad where Murray's going to follow McMillan's brand of basketball because he's a baller. He's not about the glitz and the glamour. Do you pivot to that direction or do you ride it out through at least the all-star break. Well, I'm not, not going to say the all-star break, but at least through the end of the year. And if it don't work at the end of the year, just make a wholesale change there. Because I don't think they have to rebuild fully, bro. I don't. It'll just be a retool, an extreme one. So, Yeah, I think they – I mean, they can make a trade during the, the, the deadline, but I think they have to play it out. I think it's similar to the Minnesota situation that yeah. they just made this move and it's still so fresh and new. Um, and I just don't think any trade is going to be significant enough to change their status in the league. Um, unless they get like, a a guy who's better than Trey Young, but I just don't see them trading for anybody who's as good as him. And in, I don't know, like in your stance with Murray, I just, I don't believe in him as a number one guy. Um, and he was brought there to help get Trey Young off the ball, but similar to the Lucas situation, I think Trey Young is a guy who doesn't want to give the ball up, and I think he plays best with the ball in his hands, and that's I feel like that's the trend of this entire generation is like every every guy, whether they're good enough to be a number one or not, plays best with the ball in their hands. I think off topic, but Jordan Poole's a great um, a great example of this, like he can't be your number one guy, but he's best with the ball in his hand. So if you give him the ball, you're probably not going to be like a contending team. So that's why I think they're with Trey Young. I think his numbers are good, um, but he is playing very inefficient basketball. And then to couple that with the defensive inequities that he's been having and will continue to have, I just think they're – they're bound for a play-in. I think Trey Young's going to do some similar to last year. He's going to, like, pull some strings, and I think they'll make it to the first round. And then they'll go home, and it'll probably be a sweep or a 4-1 series. Um, and then that's when it gets hard, because I've been listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, and they're not the biggest fans of Trey Young. Um, no. <laughs> and no. they, you know, they've talked about guys or teams they can see trading for Trey Young. One team was the Atlanta Magic. I don't think it's a good idea, but I don't know, man. I'm getting to the point where him and Carl Anthony Towns, I feel like, are like their teams made a a pretty big investment in the offseason. It's not painting out. And the only pivot they can really do is to trade or get off of their contract with their current franchise player in Carl Anthony Towns and Trey Young. It's just that Trey Young has like he he's kind of like he's not from Atlanta, but he, he the city loves him and like his his bravado and 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 play style just is 
suit Atlanta well. I just don't know if they put Murray as the guy, if he'll get embraced the same way. And I just don't think he's as good of a player, um, especially with the star potential. He's not going to be able to market the city of Atlanta like Trey Young can. I think the best bet is a big consolidation trade to get off of Collins, maybe even get off of Capella um, and Bogdan and really like, hey, we're just going to play like seven guys, you know, and we're going to trade the, everybody else for, I mean, I don't know, like in a perfect world, KD. I think KD <laughs> would be great there. You know, he does everything. He doesn't need the ball. He's going to score efficiently. He'll bounce straight out. Um, I don't think Zach Levine's going to help. I don't think a swap for Carl Anthony Towns is going to help. I think they need a top 10 player. And there's just not too many in the league that their team would want to get off. So that's where I stand. I think they got to just stay pat and, you know, reap their blessings. Or, <laughs> Uh, I forget the the terms, but yeah, they need to stay pat. Yeah, um, you know, I honestly feel like Minnesota doesn't have a choice. Like they have to kind of, in my eyes, stay pat. They did such a huge investment, but I think with Atlanta, this is two years in a row now where Trey is bucking coaching advice. Like he's not listening, he's not adjusting his game, and this season is even worse because we saw what happened against Miami in the playoffs where they literally threw everybody at him. And it was like, look, you're small. You don't pass enough as great of a passer as you are. So we're going to depend on you making boneheaded decisions via the trap. Either you're going to throw it into a crowd or you're going to jump shoot in a crowd. And that's, that's advantageous to us. Atlanta sees that they go out and get DeJounte. And the plan to get DeJounte was to protect Trey defensively and take some responsibility away from him offensively. And it doesn't matter. He's taken the most field goal attempts he's ever had, 21, and he's only making eight of them. So that's basically almost 40%. It's He's becoming Allen Iverson. And he doesn't have to be that way because I think he's a way better passer than Iverson is. Mm. And I think when he playmakes to his level – It'll make the game so much easier for him. I've been saying this for a while. He really could be Steve Nash. He's got Steve Nash caliber skills. Great feel for the game. Phenomenal passer. Um, While he's undersized, he can get to the basket and finish among the trees with the rest of them. He knows the angles on the glass and the rim like the best of them. You have to at that size as a miniature guard. He just refuses to play that way. He wants to play like Dame. The problem is Dame just bigger than you man like he's just bigger I think he's a better shot selector and he's a better shot maker as well when he selects his shot opportunities that's not you and I think with the unfortunate thing with Trey is I think Trey and Luke are in the same boat like they have to adjust their games Mm. but Trey really has to adjust his because of how he's built like he's small he's miniature and he's not efficient um because if he continues to play this way two things are going to happen He's going to shoot himself out the league or he's going to get hurt because he's really compromising himself a lot and he's not that big. Like, And so that's that's just really the reality of it. And it doesn't have to be this way, but it is this way. So I think for Atlanta, I give him the all-star break. If by the all-star break, you're still teetering below 500, I think blow it up, bro. Like not really blow it up, but retool it. Um, because what move, what move would you make? Yeah, um, I, I look, I think package him 
And man, I package him and Collins for uh okay, him and Capella for DeAndre Ayton. And if you could get it would be him and him and him and Capella for Aiden and Paul, but they got Murray. So, and I know they're not going to get Booker, but if you could package him and Capella for Aiden and Cam Johnson or Aiden and Jay Crowder, that makes them a better team. It just does. Now you got a big that's mobile that can give you some type of offensive productivity. I look, it's weird. I know, but uh, I think it's the I, best. I am not a believer in DeAndre Aiden no more, man. I, I, he, I, he's, I don't know. I feel like he's getting into that Wiggins territory for me. Like not yet, like not as far as like his 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 playing style, but just as far as like his potential. Like, yeah, I I had high hopes. It's been like so inconsistent, but then he has games where he's like, like he had a, a couple of thirty point games last month. Um, but it's just like there's so many times I watch the game and I just don't notice. Like, I don't see his effect on the game. And then, I don't know. I just don't feel like he has the heart to, like, really be, like, one of those top bigs. And especially we're in a league where there's not even, like, I mean, there, there's there's some really good bigs, like, right now. But I don't know. I, I, I think I think that would be a steal for the Suns. Um, if, if they could get that, <laughs> props to them. Because I'm taking book and trade all day even though I think they bash heads um initially but DeAndre Ayton I think Anyeka and Kongu should whatever trade they make it should be to free up Anyeka and Kongu to be a starting center for them. Um but yeah we'll see. We'll see. Should be we'll we'll see man. I mean they have a lot of pieces um which is unfortunate that they're underperforming but they got a lot of pieces to work with if they want to retool and repit. Let me let me ask quick how do you feel about him for um Zach Trey Young for Zach Levine. around that, yeah. Uh, that would be a phenomenal pickup for the Bulls because they don't have any draft picks <laughs> coming up. So yeah. you get a guy in Trey. He's not in his rookie contract anymore, but he's on his, the beginning of his second one. And I think Trey's like in – he's not even 25. So yeah. that would be great for them in terms of like you get you a young up-and-coming star under the age of 28. He hasn't reached his prime. Um, and that can help you pivot towards, uh, you know, that next era. For the Hawks, does Levine move the needle? I think basketball-wise, him alongside Murray's cool because he's a traditional shooting guard. DeJounte's a traditional point. That'll make Nate Millen's job a lot easier. Does it do anything for the Hawks in the East? No, I don't. I don't think it does personally. So, and that, that's the unfortunate, bro. That's a literally unfortunate thing. With Atlanta, like in my eyes, they're in a tougher position than Minnesota, because at least with Minnesota, I can say, you know what? Um, I, I get it. Rudy's the scapegoat currently because they got him. They're not playing well. He's the new piece on the team. Blame him. But in reality, I've been saying this all along. The reason why they haven't been productive is their backcourt play is wildly inconsistent. And a lot of that is on D'Angelo Russell, who is also getting notoriety for not coming up clutch so um i think with minnesota they just uh pat bev would do wonders for them ironically trade he would come D-Lo. in there and a uh, trade deal too but pat bev would do wonders by coming in yeah. there and enforcing identity but 
getting rid of D'Lo as well and getting somebody in there uh, that can run it a lot better is is huge. Also, you know, Anthony Edwards, I know a lot of people like him. I don't think he's really taking that consistent next step. I said yeah. during draft day, LaMelo was better, and I think over time, LaMelo will be better, a better player than him. Now, I honestly think Halliburton's best, better than all of them. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. No, he, he's but, definitely yeah, he's definitely better than all of them. He's going to make all-star team this year. For sure. And Phoenix could have had Halliburton on their roster with, with Booker. What could have been? Hey, but just like you said, we can't we can't compare <laughs> the guys and ask, oh, would Magic thrive on LeBron's team? We, yeah, we can't talk about that. This is different, though. He was there in the draft. And it was like, you know, but whatever. So... Because that they made it to the finals with Chris Paul, so okay, guess it worked. But um, so yeah, I mean Atlanta, they're in a tough spot. I just feel like at this point, if Trey's not gonna listen to nobody, you gotta get rid of him. Because it's never a great workplace where the best player on your team is not responding to any type of criticism. He's not responding to any type of critique from his teammates. Like he's just not. And um, you can only live off of that conference finals run for so long. I yeah. just I hope Trey moving forward doesn't put himself in a position where he becomes another Marbury, another AI, where you kind of play yourself out of the league because your ego is too huge and you're not willing to adjust your game for the betterment of not just the team, but for yourself. So, yeah, that's possible, unfortunately. It is. But, um, Gonna wrap up first episode of 2023, second episode of NBA Intel. But before we go, Clem. What are you looking forward to in a packed week of NBA basketball? Some pretty marquee matchups, to say the least. I'm look, I'm a big prediction for All Star guy, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing because I think for the most part the starters are set except for one position. There's a there's there's three <laughs> guys in the front court in the East. All right, and Trying we to tell know you, brother. that. I know that Giannis is going to be one. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. And we know that Tatum's going to be the second. Yeah, we do. There's a third spot. You and know there's he's a going dilemma to, going on right now because uh, <laughs> I think Luka just passed uh, Embiid as the top scorer because he's been having, like, these crazy yeah. runs. Right. Will it continue? I would, I would assume that he's probably not going to be averaging 34 the rest of the season. Um. But I was going back to look, and I was like, I don't think a guy who's led the league in scoring hasn't started in an all-star game before. So I feel like if Embiid continues to score at this rate, which I think is very possible, um, and they stay within that four, five, or even three seed, why shouldn't he start over KD? I mean, I, I understand because the Nets, you know, they, they they're bound to, to something's gonna go wrong somewhere. It's just it's just a curse. <laughs> it's just a curse. I'm sorry, it comes with Kyrie, um, and I don't know, but that's what I'm looking forward to seeing that them jockeying for that uh, final starting spot. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, yesterday, I did my All Star selections. Um, obviously, in the East, uh, Durant, Trump, and Bead. Um, and I think he's going to trump him in real life, unfortunately, because the Nets have the second best record in basketball. And Durant is almost averaging 30 on 57% shooting. I think that's enough, bro. Like I just do. And 
Embiid and the Sixers, they're playing well, but Embiid's missed eight games. Sixers kind of went on a little losing streak. You just added to the fact Luka's been going bonkers, so no longer does Embiid have the scoring title. I think it maintains that way, too, so I think Embiid's just going to have to come off the bench. It's unfortunate. I don't think it should be that way. I really think, bro, just pick the five best players. Like It don't matter the position. It's an all-star game anyway, where for the first three quarters, you kind of let everybody do them. And then in the fourth, all right, we're going to put our best five position-wise, schematically, yeah. and then go win the game. Um, but, you know, front court in the East, I had Giannis, Tatum, Durant. And in the back court, I had Jalen Brown. And I had Kyrie Irving because I think Kyrie Irving's played very well um, since uh, he almost lost his career. <laughs> so he's really come back and is like, yo, I'm locked in. And then in the West, it's very easy. The backcourt is going to be John Luca. The yeah. frontcourt is going to be Jokic, LeBron, and Zion. Like, I don't – that's not going to be hard. I don't think the West is hard at all. I think as long as those guys stay healthy, that's that's going to be it. Now, what's going to be intriguing is who's going to be the captain. Um, I think Luca might be a captain. Like, he's been playing that well. The fanfare has been astronomical. You know his homeland going to represent for him. In the States, they're going to really rock with him. So I think he might be a captain over LeBron. I, I think this is the first year LeBron might not be a captain. Um, in the East, uh, I, they might be. <laughs> Giannis, bro. It's, I think it's going to be Giannis and uh, Ja. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think it might be Luka in the West as a captain. Uh, Giannis for sure, but a dark horse would be on some humorous type-ish, Kyrie. Because I think a lot of people <laughs> sympathize with what happened. And he's playing well. And so on some petty stuff, it's like, yo, let's let's go all in and make Kyrie the – it's a far shot, but that's like a dark horse. But I think it's going to be Giannis and Luka. And I'm interested to see how Luka picks his team because Giannis don't really pick his all-star teams very really. well. What does Luka do? In retrospect, because um he's a competitor at heart who kind of knows the game, so he might pick his team pretty well. But that's kind of my all star thing there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, without further ado, go ahead out. Um, this episode will be up tomorrow. Um, great listen. So enjoy it when you can. And me and Clint, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. See you next week.